Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carroll. Though you may not realize that the ongoing threat of terrorism is affecting your life and that of your loved ones. Each week, Dr. Carroll analyzes the hottest topics in terror and helps you and your family reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. reasons we're more vulnerable to terrorists now than on 9-11. Welcome to the Terrorist Therapy Show. I'm Dr. Carol Lieberman, a psychiatrist and your terrorist therapist. Yes, there are 10 reasons at least why we're more vulnerable now to terrorists than on 9-11. And I'm going to tell you today what all of them are. Um, the first reason is actually something that we can um, we can control to some degree ourselves. The first reason is that uh, as the years have gone by since 9/11, we have let our guard down. We have become complacent. We um, have gone into denial, denial that a terrorist, radical Islamist terrorist, would ever attack America again. Uh, we want to think that it was just one and done, and they're going to stay where they are <laughs> and leave us alone, and nothing could be far further from the truth. Um, what we also have, in addition to denial, we also have what's called cognitive dissonance. That's um, a psychological phenomenon where uh, our brain, the logical part, uh, just part, uh, takes in information um, but is too painful or too scary to keep holding in our conscious mind uh, our brain does something to protect us, which is to push it into our unconscious mind. So, consciously, I am sure you are aware, really, that 9-11, um, or that is not going to be a one and done, and that there are terrorists out there. Uh, the Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and other groups who are continuing on their path for, that's, you know, been for ages, um, to take over the West and put us under Sharia law. I mean, this isn't something that they just figured out right before 9/11. Hey, let's let's do this. No, this has been um, coming for decades. So, um, so what we so because we don't want to you know keep remembering this or keep consciously thinking about it, um, we have have gone along with the efforts 
that are being made to make us forget about 9-11. So these efforts are basically exacerbating our own denial of the uh, continued danger that we're in. An example of this is uh, something that I talked about in my the prior podcast, which is um, the death of the 9-11 Tribute Museum, where no one came out to save it. Not uh, patrons, you know, individual people or companies donating money, nor, more, even more importantly, nor taxes, nor the government, New York or the federal government, to put some of our taxes uh, to rescuing the 9-11 Tribute Museum, which had gotten into financial difficulties because of the pandemic and people not coming out to museums. So um, now I'm going to tell you a little bit later, I'm going to tell you about um, what some of these efforts are to make us forget 9-11, or that is to say where they come from. But for now, let's just say the number one um, reason we're more vulnerable is because of our own psychology, our own psyche, in conjunction with um, the efforts that are being made to make us forget. Okay, now the second reason. What... (laughs) The second big reason, oh, before, before, actually, before I um, go further, let me just, for people who, let me just do a little reminder, a little refresher here of what uh, 9-11 was, not that, you know, <laughs> not that we really need uh, much of a, re- a refresher, but there are people who are listening who may not remember all of it. So on September 11th, 2001, 19 radical Islamist terrorists, who were associated with the group Al-Qaeda, hijacked four airplanes and carried out suicide attacks against targets in the United States. Now, this was, of course, led by Osama bin Laden. He was the mastermind behind this. So, two of the planes flew into the twin towers of the World Trade Center in New York City. A third plane hit the Pentagon in Arlington, Virginia, just outside Washington, D.C. And the fourth plane crashed in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania, um, thanks to the quick action of the passengers on board who attacked the terrorists, even though they knew that this would mean that their plane would crash, but they prevented it from hitting their target, which um, was, it is thought to be either the White House or um, some other target in D.C. Uh, almost 3,000 people were killed on 9-11 in these attacks, and there are actually now at least that that number who were killed, who died, who are dying, <laughs> and some who already died, um, from being from working at Ground Zero in the search and rescue mission. So, um, so that's a little refresher. Uh, get, let me get to number two, the second reason for why we're more vulnerable to terrorists now. The second reason is, and this, of course, is a big one, uh, the surrender in Afghanistan. The surrender in Afghanistan emboldened terrorists. Um, you know, it gave them the, it, it, they were shocked, but they were able to see we can um, overcome America. We can win against America. 
That was the message that this surrender uh, gave them. And also, in addition to emboldening the terrorists, um, Afghanistan has now turned into a petri dish for terrorists, a combination of the Taliban, al-Qaeda, and ISIS. So, um, you know, one of the things we look at, for example, the, the, um, the surrender in different ways, and um, President Biden's uh, role, <laughs> the main role, he didn't listen to his uh, advisors and so on. Um, so in measuring uh, the devastation that he caused, there are various metrics that are used. You know, for example, um, the uh, looking at, at what we sacrificed and what he what he gave up by the surrender, what we had already sacrificed. You know, on 9/11. Uh, that was a time after, you know, right after 9-11, that is when America was more patriotic together, to, to, more patriotic than ever, and we were, we came together um, to in our love of America and in our uh, determination to protect America, and we had an overwhelming number of people who joined the military because um, they wanted to fight to protect America. And so we had 2,500 American deaths during these 20 years, 20,000 wounded, $2.3 trillion that were spent, in addition to, of course, hundreds of thousands of Afghans killed, wounded, orphaned, and displaced. So he threw all of that away when we surrendered. But the worst part of the surrender to the Taliban is how much the this surrender and the subsequent Taliban takeover has made America more vulnerable than ever. Now, Afghanistan is a very important country, a very important place or theater for our security because um, it is located in a, uh, it has geostrategic value because it's located in a war-torn region that includes four nuclear powers, Russia, China, Pakistan, and India, and a fifth that aspires to join that club, which is Iran. Now, these countries are ranked among the world's seven largest standing militaries, and you will um, hear why that is particularly important uh, when we talk about what has happened to our military. Now, um, Afghanistan has rolled out the red carpet, essentially, for terrorists. Um, and they have allowed terrorist organizations to blossom. More of them will grow. Um, Al-Qaeda, uh, the, the, they have, they have um, actively allowed Al-Qaeda to expand. Now, other terrorist organizations like ISIS-K, um, the Taliban hasn't necessarily encouraged it to grow, but they are not able to stop their growth. So, um, so with Al-Qaeda, um, there's, Al-Qaeda now has, you know, more of a, all the terrorist groups actually in Afghanistan have more of a, um, sanctuary 
because Americans aren't there, American troops aren't there, American personnel of all kinds aren't there to stop them from growing uh, and from plotting and um, recruiting and doing everything else. So al-Qaeda is on the rise. And um, one of the um, symbols or, or examples, signs, I guess, of that is that um, the, you know, we killed um, al-Zawari, Ayman al-Zawari, but he, with a drone, and he had been living openly in Kabul. So he used to, you know, be, uh, be hiding. <laughs> and he then moved to um, Kabul, and the Taliban provided a safe house for him. And so when he was walking on the balcony, <laughs> you know, in full view of the Taliban, um, I mean, that's how we, we hit him with a drone. Um, but... But he would go out on the balcony um, of his house each morning, and the Taliban was totally aware of this, and they didn't do anything about it. Um, so now Al Qaeda. So that was that's that's Al Qaeda. Um, as far as ISIS, ISIS, we know that ISIS has grown at least to over six thousand new recruits. Since the, since the Taliban takeover. Um, ISIS, as you may remember, um, was responsible, ISIS-K was responsible for the horrific suicide attack at the airport in Kabul during the U.S. surrender, the evacuation, that killed 13 U.S. service members. And this was in August 2021. And um, this attack was perpetrated by ISIS-K. Well, let's, um, let me, um, so those are three, um, oh no, <laughs> no wait, that was only two, uh, two reasons that I've given you so far. Let me just quickly kind of mention the third one because, um, because you know about this really. Uh, we have a president, President Biden, who has encroaching dementia. And I have been talking about his encroaching dementia since he was running for president um, in 2020 uh, and hiding in the basement. And I tried to warn the country, you know, I, I, I was like, I've never met Mr. Biden. Um, I have issued him uh, an open invitation to give him a cognitive test that I give people as a forensic psychiatrist and expert witness. Um, so far, he has not called me back. <laughs> he has not indicated that he wants to do this, wants me to give it to him. Um, but in any case, his dementia has been encroaching more and more with each month, each week. You know, we, I mean, it's not even, you don't have to be a psychiatrist anymore to tell that he has dementia. He shakes people's hands that aren't there. Um, he, uh, um, you know, repeats things like he's reading the uh, the teleprompter and it says uh, repeat previous line or something, and he, and he says that repeat previous. I mean, there are numerous every day. There's another every day that he comes out into public. There's another example of his dementia. So the reason why this is particularly significant in terms of making the, us um, more, in, putting us more in danger, of course, is because just like all, it was Afghanistan. That gave, um, that was like a signal to the whole world that he has dementia. 
because one of the symptoms that he has that is um, very bad for a president to have um, is he has a, a, a diminishment, uh, deterioration of analytic thinking. And that means that's the kind of thinking where, where you're able to hold different strategies, different thoughts and ideas in your mind at the same time, and you choose what you're going to do. So, for example, for chess players, um, chess players um, are able to have good abstract or analytic thinking uh, and because they can tell what's going to happen when they make this move and the next person makes the next move and then you're, you're going to make this move. I mean, they can tell ahead because they can hold many different strategies in their mind. So this contributed, besides all the other things, like, first of all, Afghanistan's fall was a signal to the whole world that this president has dementia, that he's weak, that he doesn't know what he's doing, that he doesn't know, because he had a plan. Well, we'd like to think he maybe had a plan. His plan was he wanted to get out of Afghanistan. Beyond that, he didn't have any any uh, plan B or C. And so when the Taliban started coming and, and not just, you know, being good little boys, um, he was lost. And so not only do leaders like Putin and China and North Korea and Iran see that we have a weak president who doesn't know what he's doing, but of course the terrorists see this too. And... Um, they with the that is why we had the Afghanistan debacle because he couldn't figure out what to do if the Taliban didn't behave the way he thought they would. So that's number three reason for why we're more vulnerable to terrorists now than on 9/11. When we come back, I will uh, start with number four. So stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to The Terrorist Therapist Show where we're talking today about 10 reasons we're more vulnerable now to terrorists than on 9-11. I talked about about our own denial, which is exacerbated by efforts of those who want to make us forget 9-11. I talked about uh, Afghanistan, the debacle in Afghanistan, um, where that made our surrender made terrorists emboldened, and it's a petri dish for more terrorists to um, plot attacks. And um, I talked about Biden's encroaching dementia. Okay, so now number four: Afghans disseminated around America. Yes, um, we have Biden has um, brought in over eighty thousand. Uh, Afghans. And the idea was, or the, the, you know, the cover up was, uh, that the reason why we're doing this is because some Afghans really helped American troops, and so we have to be kind to them and bring them to America. Well, that is true for those who were kind to our troops, helped our troops. However, the vetting process in Afghanistan was essentially non existent. 
And so there are untold, literally, literally untold numbers of jihadists, radical Islamist terrorists, Afghans who are such. Um, I'm not saying that I'm not saying that all the Afghans who came here are jihadists, but certainly um, a significant number, an untold number, because they're not telling us, <laughs> um, slip through and they are jihadists. And so, um, so they are all over America right now. And needless to say, um, it is likely that they have formed cells um, that are plotting terror attacks. Now, to make this this worse, <laughs> um, Biden is paying Osama bin Laden's old airline to fly out these Afghans. It's called Ariana Afghan Airlines. That used to fly al-Qaeda terrorists from Afghanistan to the Middle East. And it also flew as a sideline guns and drugs on behalf of al-Qaeda. Um, and so Biden is paying this airline to fly out these Afghans. I mean, this would be, you know, if this was a movie, if this was a script, um, Hollywood would like toss it away in a minute and say, no one's going to believe this. Okay, but it is true. Um, so this now, this airline um, is now being paid Biden, the Biden administration is buying tickets in bulk and paying approximately $300,000 per flight to a Taliban-controlled airline. Now, it's the Taliban who controls this airline in order to allow U.S. citizens and Afghans, and Afghans to continue eva evacuating. So, Taliban Air <laughs> uh, flies Afghans to Qatar and then they go on to America. So there are tens of thousands to over a hundred thousand Afghans in the still in the pipeline. There are over eighty thousand who are here already, and there are more who are in the pipeline. So the Taliban could end up getting over a hundred million dollars in payments from Biden for the use of its airline. Um, now it's interesting that uh, Ariana Afghan Airlines has been ranked as one of the most dangerous airlines in the world, as you might <laughs> might imagine. Um, so, you know, it, this is part of why the Taliban sabotaged Americans and Afghans from leaving Afghanistan so that they could basically hold them for ransom um, and make us pay these outrageous amounts of money. Um, also, they are issuing passports and they've issued over 700,000 passports, and they've collected $50 million for that. They said, we are issuing up to 4,000 passports daily, and we aim to increase the number to 10,000. Um, so the Afghans, it's not really true that the Afghans aren't allowing Af – it's not really true that the Taliban isn't allowing Afghans to leave. They, they're happy to let uh, Afghans leave because then we have to pay them for all of this. Um, there's all, they're also getting money for visa fees. Um, and, and also, this is, they're also making money because uh, all the Afghans, or 
most of the Afghans who do arrive in America, whatever money they get, they are, such as welfare and so on, they are sending money back to Afghanistan. And some of it may well go to their family members, but you know that the majority of it is going to end up in the hands of the terrorists. Either the Taliban or Al-Qaeda, they're all going to take their cut. So so the more Afghans <laughs> the um, Taliban allows to fly to America, the more money they're going to make when these when these Afghans send money back. Um, and, you know, of course, they're, uh, the Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda are infiltrating America, building criminal cells, terror cells, uh, to provide more cash and to plot attacks, and so on. Um, now, on September 11th, uh, Al-Qaeda infiltrated our nation and flew airplanes into our buildings, okay, you know, as you know. But now the terrorists are infiltrating their cash cows and terrorists into America. Uh, and we're paying the airlines the tickets. So now, you know, before they came by, um, the terrorists were suicide uh, bombers, essentially, um, using planes to attack America. Now they just come on a plane. <laughs> And they, um, and they, you know, get money and send it back. So, I mean, they don't have to crash, they don't have to commit suicide now. They just come. And we pay for them to come. We pay the terrorists who perpetrated 9-11. Do you see how crazy this is? This is unbelievable. Now, um, I, I've spoken already, um, in a prior podcast about how some in Congress are pushing to legalize the Afghans who have come to America under the name of the Afghan Adjustment Act. Um, okay, number five, another reason why we're more in danger now than before is because of our open borders. There are um, at least 81 people, and this is a very, this is like, there's no way to tell the real number, but there are at least 81 people on the terror watch list who were caught at the border during Biden's administration. Um, this compares to only 26 people on the, 20, on the terrorist watch list between 2017 and 2020. So only 26 people then, and so far 81 people on the terror watch list have been caught at the border. And again, you know, that's who they caught. I mean, of course, the good terrorists, the more dangerous terrorists, right, are, are not going to get caught. Um, so that is a, that is a, um, a huge, huge problem. And they they, you know, they come here and we have no idea where they are. And, um, since October, you know, not only are there more terrorists on the terrorist watch list getting across, but since October, there have been more than 1.8 million people who have attempted to cross the border, four times more than who were uh, caught at the border in 2020. So the numbers, you know, and, and again, these are way underestimates because, um, because as I said, the better ones, the, the stealthier ones, <laughs> uh, don't get caught. Now, here's another thing. <laughs> would you, in the, would you believe this category? Um, 
the TSA, you know, the people who are who check make us take off our shoes and pat us up and down in our intimate places, those people who who harass us all in the name of uh of safety, making sure that we're not terrorists. And I'm not saying that it's not good. I mean, you know, it's a good idea to have the TSA. But the TSA, like like the administration, is incredibly hypocritical because while they're patting us down, they're allowing illegal immigrants, whether these are people from Afghanistan or from across the border or any kind of illegal immigrant, they're allowing them on planes using as ID arrest warrants. These are people who have been given arrest warrants and they're using them as ID. You know how like we use our passport and we're checked and harassed often and, um, you know, but no, but the people who, um, but now illegal immigrants are allowed to board um, planes, commercial planes, using their arrest warrants as identification and they are not arrested. So they show the arrest warrants to the authorities and they get on the plane. They're flying the friendly skies thanks to President Biden. So there are some people in Congress who have become a little concerned about this. And um, they are asking for more information uh, and asking why the TSA is, you know, turning their whole um having a blind eye to to this. Um, I mean, some of these people have civil immigration arrest warrants and deportation orders. So they're supposed to be deported, and they're flying around and having uh, getting served, uh, whatever you get served these days, <laughs> depending upon what plane you're on. Um, so now these documents, first of all, are not secure. They can be forged or copied or otherwise manipulated more easily than other kinds of documents than passports or um, a, 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 a driver's license. But now we're being told, Americans are being told, that we will have to get uh, a, 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 an extra special ID, uh, a real ID, to board an airplane. We're going to have to, we can't even use what we've been using. We have to get a special new uh, real ID to prove that we are who we say we are, whereas these illegal immigrants are able to just get on with their own arrest warrants. Oh, I mean, it isn't funny, but it's, it's. Oh. Um, they shouldn't be able to board a plane in the United States. The only plane they should be able to board is to get out of the United States if, where they're, because they're supposed to be deported, those who have these th deportation papers. So um, the Department of Homeland Security has released nearly 500,000 illegal aliens into the United States so far this year. And when, they, when TSA was asked for clarification about this, you know, using these IDs, um, they said, quote, it accepts alternate forms of identification, including a notice to appear in court. <laughs> it, like, there's no answer, no apology, no, we're going to look into this, no nothing. It's just saying, yes, we are. Um, we accept this kind of identification. Okay, number six. There are, um, number six in terms of the reasons why we're more vulnerable to terrorists now than on 9-11. So number six is, that there are cells, 
Um, there are cells of homegrown terrorists, um, or, or not necessarily, well, there are individuals, lone wolves, or cells of homegrown terrorists, and of course of jihadists who have come into the United States. And these people are um, forming plots. Many plots have been uh, foiled. We don't hear about that so much, um, you know, how many, that there, because that would show that there are still terrorists out to get us. So we don't really hear very much about that. And But we can hear about um, some of the, we're beginning to hear, about some of the um, Islamic schools that are trying to train the younger generation to be terrorists. So, for example, in New Mexico, a man who converted to Islam tried to set up a jihad training center for the for ISIS. And um, he converted to Islam, and he somehow got the crazy idea that this new religion of peace called upon him to do violence to unbelievers. So he was just charged with attempting to set up a training center for people wishing to fight for Islamic State. And so on August 23rd, a federal grand jury charged Herman Levun Wilson, Wilson, 45 years old, of Albuquerque, with trying to provide material support to a designated foreign terrorist organization by setting up an, quote, Islamic State Center, unquote, in New Mexico. And the center was to teach Islamic State ideology, provide training in, quote, tactical maneuvers and martial arts, unquote, and be a safe haven for anyone preparing to travel and fight on behalf of ISIS in the United States and abroad. So um, he his his Islamic name or was um, Bilal Mumin Abdullah, and he also helped run an online platform that promoted Islamic State recruitment and discussed attacks in the United States and overseas. Now, there is also a center. I mean, these things aren't just happening in Afghanistan. They're happening in America. So there's also, for example, a center in Houston uh, that where the next generation of jihad suicide bombers is being trained. And so... Um, you know, we think that uh, we don't have to worry about terrorists. They're being trained right in our own backyards. Uh, quote, the Islamic Education Center of Houston, Texas, is organizing a group recitation sung by children as young as four of a new Iranian anthem saluting Iran's supreme leader, Ali Khamenei. Khamenei. Um, and the song uh, Salam Farmand is an expression of one's love for the imam of our center. Now, if you go online, you can find oh, you can find video of this, and it is so chilling when you see hordes of children as young as four uh, singing and saluting. Uh, you know, like Nazis, <laughs> um, and singing these songs in, with such fervor, um, it is very, very disturbing. So, so the Islamic Center has said, quote, Iran has marked the 33rd anniversary 
of Ayatollah Ruhala Khomeini's death with a new revolutionary anthem sung by boys and girls in town squares, mosques, mosques, and stadiums. In order to convey to the young generations the zeal of the 1979 revolutionary days, the regime has resorted to making multiple music videos of children born in the last decade singing the anthem, Salute Commander. I mean, this is chilling. They give a military salute. They pledge their unswerving loyalty to Supreme Leader Ali Khamani. Uh, the original Persian lyrics of the anthem are, quote, In spite of my small size, when the time comes, I will rise up for you. I am a child, but the life of my family and I belong to you. They raise their right arm and they sing, quote, I make an oath to become your Qasem Soleimani when you need me and pledge to become nameless soldiers. So, um, and there was uh, something that happened on in February, I and mean, this isn't just new, um, in February 2019, they uploaded to their YouTube channel a video of um, children celebrating the 40th anniversary of Iran's Islamic Re- Revolution. And a 10th grader spoke, and he said that the United States continues to sanction Iran because it's scared of Iran. And America's two goals in the Middle East, he says, are to support Israel and Saudi Arabia. And the audience chanted, after he was saying this, oh, quote, away with the humiliation, Allah Akbar, Khamenei is our leader, unquote. Uh, young boys were wearing scarves and green headbands, and they sang a song that, that went, quote, we are your followers, you are our leader, we are your soldiers, and together we can all be your power. May Allah always keep your hand upon us. You have to look this up online, try to find it online, and um, that really is what, um, that is really, you know, that really gives you the full um, understanding. Now, talking about Iran, um, we are in a very, as as I speak, <laughs> as we approach the 9-11 anniversary, 21st anniversary, um, Biden is trying to uh, reactivate uh, the deal with Iran, the New Deal. But it, in fact, won't stop. Iran from getting the bomb. I mean, how you can make a deal with people who just lie to your face and yell death to America in the streets, I don't know. And instead, this deal gives them millions to spend on terrorism, to spend on obtaining better nuclear weapons. Um, And it's a renewed version of the 2015 Joint Comprehensive Plan of Action. Um, but it, that, that agreement was bad. It didn't work. They were still building nuclear weapons. Why we would think that they're going to change their mind now is absurd. Um, and they're going to just do what they want. Um, and so deal or no deal. And instead they're going to re- receive a hundred billion dollars a year as a result of lifted sanctions. I mean, this is just crazy. And so this money is going to let them speed up their nuclear program, uh, and they're going to be able to build ballistic missiles that can launch nuclear warheads, not just across the Middle East, but also to Europe and to the U.S. And we've seen examples of how Iran, Iran is the biggest state sponsor of terrorism that there is. 
you know, all there are many um, like Hezbollah and just other terrorist groups that Iran funds. Um, and and you know, recently um, the man who tried to murder Salman Rushdie was connected. He had c- contact with Iran. All right, so that is six, seven, and eight. I mean, that is limit. What <laughs> I just do? That is no. That is four, five, six, and seven um, that I just talked to you about. Those reasons of the ten. Um, so when we come back, I'll talk about the rest of them. Stay tuned. You've been listening to The Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Stay tuned and she'll be right back with more analysis of this week's hottest topic in terror. Now back to The Terrorist Starfish Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. Welcome back to the Terrorist Therapist Show, where today we're talking about 10 reasons why we're more vulnerable today to terrorists than on 9-11. So we have, um, we have talked about the first seven reasons. Now let me tell you about eight. Um, the eighth reason is that our military has been weakened. Why? Because wokeness has infected it, and um, the military is spending more time uh, making sure that it is woke than uh, learning how to fight better. Um, another aspect of it that um, that has made it weaker is it has decreased in numbers because their service members who have been unvaxxed have been made to leave. So the numbers of, of service members, the numbers um, and, and the, the gathering of recruits um, has gone down, you know, as compared to after 9-11 when um, the patriotism, the fervor of patriotism caused people to sign up. Um, to all uh, branches of the military. And um, uh, in the meantime, while our recruits are going down, the terrorist organizations have, um, the recruits have gone up because while we were um, locked down and more people were on the Internet online than ever, the terrorist organizations have been recruiting better than ever because uh, they were able to spread their propaganda. So, so there, um, the so the, our middle, our military has been um, uh, what um, infected. <laughs> With, um, with all kinds of aspects of wokeness from critical race theory to, um, diversity to, you know, all of the tenets of wokeness. 
That is what they have been concentrating on. And if you don't believe me, I'm sure you know that. But let me tell you a story that you might not know (laughs) that kind of points up how ridiculous but dangerous it is. Um, As an example, a, a U.S. military base hosted a drag show on the base. A U.S. military base hosted a drag show. The joint base, Langley-Ustis, which is uh, called JBLE, they had their first diversity, equity, and inclusion summer festival. And what did they have? What did they feature? A drag show. Can you imagine this? A drag show on a military base? I mean, what? We have fallen down the rabbit hole. This has to be Alice in Wonderland. So the festival has a series of performances, uh, or had presumably, a series, I mean, the summer is over, uh, a series of performances and speeches, including a poem on diversity, equity, and inclusion, and a drag show by someone named Harpy Daniels. Now, Harpy Daniels isn't somebody that they got from the outside to come in and do a drag show. He is actually a yeoman third class in the United States Navy. You know, can you... (laughs) Oh, my goodness me. Most Navy men would have... um, I mean, it wasn't that long ago. It was don't ask, don't tell. Now we have celebrating um, people who who are doing drag shows. And I'm not saying that there's anything per se wrong with a drag show if it is not done with children. Or, and in fact, there were children invited to these summer, this summer festivities. Um, but, but in the military, <laughs> it does not make you feel very safe. Um, he, he actually joined the Navy in order to finance his drag career. Um, he said, quote, he, she, I don't know, they, they said, quote, with drag being my number one passion, it's a means to an end, and that's the drag is his, their number one passion. Uh, quote, it quickly became costly. On top of just struggling to make ends meet and then pay college loans, the Navy became a great option to get myself situated in life. Doing drag allows me to embrace my feminine side and allows me to bring my diversity and creativity out. Uh, on his Instagram um, page, um, there is uh, dozens of photos of him in drag, many of them heavily sexualized, some even nude. Um, and this festival, summer festival, was the brainchild of the JBLE Breaking Barriers Alliance, which is a committee on the base's Office of Diversity and Inclusion. I mean, hello, when are you working on how to shoot? <laughs> um, they uh, devote, um, and and the, the commander, Colonel Gregory Beaulieu, the cr- commander of the base, approved this. He greenlit the festival. Um, there's also bouncy houses and face painting for the children who get bored watching Harpy Daniels cavort. Do you believe this? I'm, I'm, it's true. I'm, <laughs> um, uh, anyhow, 
this is uh, diversity may be a strength for America, but it cannot be an organizing principle for the Pentagon. Okay, so uh, let's see. All right, now that so that is that is eight. The military weakened by wokeness and by um, people being made to leave if they didn't get vaccinated. Then number nine, okay, number nine. Now, I know some of you, this is political, but um, but it's true. <laughs> um, the Obama-Biden White House. Now, this, it's, it's, you know, I was talking before about Obama having dementia, as we know. And um, he is just a puppet primarily of Obama. And Obama is the president who made our country more uh, vulnerable to terrorists than any other president. So he is continuing to act through Biden to pull the strings of Biden. And he tells us not to focus on radical Islamist terrorists, but on PTA parents who don't like what their children are being taught. And um, on January 6th trespassers, and all Republicans. He just, Biden just gave a speech and it was pretty shocking with a red background and a military, two men from the military on either side of him. It was a very threatening speech, um, basically saying that half of America, Republicans, anyone who doesn't agree with him, uh, are terrorists. So that is part of why they don't want us to remember 9-11. They don't want us, us to remember radical Islamist terrorists because they want us to, where the most danger is comes from these other terrorists, domestic terrorists who they name as PTA parents, the January 6th trespassers, and Republicans. Um, what is even more disturbing is that some politicians have, and this is, you know, if you haven't heard about this before, I know it's very hard to believe. I found it hard to believe at first. But as time has gone on, it's become more obvious that some politicians have quietly become strange bedfellows with radical Islamist terrorists. Not that they necessarily believe in the Quran or say prayers um, at mosques, but they agree with the terrorists, the radical Islamist terrorists, which is to destroy America. So that is why these things are insidiously happening, because really they are one strange bedfellows with radical Islamist terrorists. That is one of the scariest things. Now, number 10. Number 10 has to do with things that are more in the future as far as, um, like, further in the future than what I've just been talking about. These things that I've been talking about, one through nine, are very much in the present. But um, what is is also on the horizon, and this was um, written about, there was a report done uh, for the UN. It was called the UN's, uh, malicious, the UN put out a report called Malicious Use of Artificial Intelligence for Terrorist Purposes. And what this is, it's warning us that terrorists can use artificial intelligence to attack. 
And in particular, they're talking about terrorists overtaking self-driving vehicles and drones. So we know, even though we've been told that self-driving vehicles are the wave of the future and they're fabulous and all of that, of course, you know that driverless cars are powered by artificial intelligence and they become increasingly available. And um, they could uh, provide a disturbing opportunity for terrorists quote, this is what the report says, quote, to carry out one of their most traditional types of attacks remotely without the need for a follower to sacrifice his or her life or risk being apprehended. Now, what they're referring to is the ramming attacks that terrorists do. They take a car or a truck, um, and, you know, we've had we've seen many attacks where they do that. It's a very easy way uh, to kill and injure a lot of people by, you know, just ramming them on the street. We saw that in France. We saw that in Germany. We saw that in uh, in America, in Canada. Um, so now, if they take over through AI, they take over a self-driving car, they don't have to even be in it. Now, you know, we, we think about or we're told um, that um, there are safeguards in self-driving cars that pr- protect us or or prevents the car from colliding with with structures or with pedestrians, but there have been recent studies that show that self-driving cars have already been involved in almost 400 accidents. And also, of course, these self-driving cars can be taken over by terrorists and filled with explosives and targeted to a specific location. Um, Drones. Drones is the other um, source of danger in terms of AI terrorists taking over drones. Um, They could um, uh, drones are getting more widely available and they can be controlled by remote control, you know, by remote uh, devices. And so, in fact, there is literature, terrorist literature, that celebrated drones as, quote, a new source of horror, you know, a new weapon. And um, this is a growing threat. Um, there is the author and futurist, Mac, Max Tegmark, Tegmark, it's not, <laughs> it's not only um, uh, Islamic names that I mispronounce. <laughs> uh, he warned us that for terrorists to carry out an assassination, quote, all they need to do is upload their target's photo and address into the killer robot. It can then fly to the destination, identify and eliminate the person, and self-destruct to ensure nobody knows who was responsible. Of course, terrorists like to say that they're responsible, so um, I don't know that they would need that aspect of it. Um. The other, the other, uh, this is still on number 10 here because 10 is about the future. Um, also in the future, or it's happening, starting to happen now, but ultimately we can become uh, exterminated by sheer numbers of terrorists. For example, in Denmark, there is video on the internet showing um, 
Muslims boasting that soon they will outnumber the Danes. Um, they're shouting, they're, they're very frightening pictures, videos, um, of Muslims being racist towards Danes, taunting them about the great replacement in Denmark, and uh, saying that uh, soon you will be exterminated. In other words, soon there will be more terrorists, and yes, not all Muslims are terrorists, and not all terrorists are Muslims. But soon there will be more. Obviously, these are aggressive people warning the Danes um, that there will be more of them than there are of the Danes. Um, there's nothing about, you know, they're not interested in assimilating or adopting Danish values. You know, all of the countries, this is the problem. We're already seeing this in countries in Europe, um, not only Denmark, but... Um, but uh France, the UK, Belgium, Germany, the the you know, they they allowed oh, they made this is such a mistake and why they couldn't see that, um but they allowed hordes of um of people to come in, including many jihadists, and there are rapes going on all the time. You don't hear about this. Um I mean you don't hear about this in the mainstream media. But there are rapes going on on a daily basis in France, for example, in England also. Uh, there are rape gangs in England. Um, there are uh, violence, of course, killings, muggings, all kinds of things by these migrants who they allowed in. And as the numbers are growing, it's, it's like what's happening at our borders. The numbers are growing in these other countries as well. And they are, you know... There's no way that any country, including America, can support, can financially support the numbers that are coming in. So, of course, not only can they um, perpetrate attacks, terrorist attacks, but they are just gradually taking us over by by bleeding us dry in term, financially. And, in some cases, sending money back to Afghanistan or other terrorist countries or groups. So, that's 10. Now, um there are, there's um, been a, the Homeland Security, um, there's a, a U.S. Joint Intelligence Bulletin that is warning that foreign militant groups can attack on the upcoming anniversary of 9-11, that they may be likely to attack, uh, whether it's homegrown, lone wolves, violent, homegrown violent extremists, um, or whether it's people who are now in <laughs> seated all over our country. Um, and this bulletin came from Homeland Security, the FBI, and the National Counterterrorism Center. They are warning, warning. They say, quote, expect foreign terrorist organizations and their supporters will seek to exploit the 21st anniversary of 9-11, the one-year anniversary of U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan and the recent death of Al-Qaeda leader Ayman al-Zawari in their messaging, which may inspire some terrorists to attack. So, so, um, so that's a thought. Um, now, I am going to, um, last year for the 20th anniversary, I created a music video that I had circulating around Ground Zero on September 10th and 11th. 
and um, the music video has to do with things like why we need to remember 9-11, how to make children more resilient, um, he who forgets history is doomed to repeat it, and with examples, um, a, a lot of, if you have these symptoms, you should go get help, um, various messages that are important to remember on 9-11. And um, so this year I'm going to be having um, a truck not only in Manhattan around Ground Zero, but um, also in Washington, D.C. And so, but, and they're both going to be out on September 11th. So if you are in either of those places, um, please go check them out. And if you are not going to be in New York or D.C., then um, you can go to my website, www.terroristtherapist.com, and I have the video on the top of my home page, so you can watch it there. So, bottom line, this 9-11 anniversary, the 21st, please remember to honor the people who perished because of 9-11, to build resiliency in yourself and your loved ones, to celebrate American patriotism, all of this like your life depended upon it because it does. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show. I'm Dr. Carol, your Terrorist Therapist. If you would like to find out more about terrorism from me, your Terrorist Therapist, visit my website, terroristtherapist.com. And if you're a parent or teacher and want to build stronger nests for your kids to become more resilient, Check out my new award-winning book, Lions and Tigers and Terrorists, Oh My, How to Protect Your Child in a Time of Terror. It's the first and only book about terrorism for kids. You can find it wherever books are sold or directly from the publisher at terrorismforkids.com. Terrorism, the number four, kids.com. I'm Dr. Carol, your terrorist therapist. Thank you for listening to the Terrorist Therapist Show on Renegade Talk Radio with your host, Dr. Carol. We hope listening to the show has made you feel calmer, more resilient, and more able to reach your dreams despite living in a time of terror. You can also check out past shows on Renegade Talk Archives for more insights.